Welcome to the Gospel Doctor Podcast, a show that has been designed to help born-again believers realize who we are in Christ and to truly understand the power and the potential of the gospel that has been entrusted to us. My name is Prince John, and I'm the son of the king. Hi there! Today I want to share something which we need to understand, especially in this time and age, and that is about revivals. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, When is the last time you heard about revivals? About some sort of revival happening, or you heard the word revival? Now, if you follow what happens in churches these days, we see that there has been a lot of calls for revivals. I've heard many churches say that God is sending an end-time revival and many prayer meetings have been going on for a while now. And also, um, the Bethel Church in Redding, California is releasing a song called God of Revivals. Also, right after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, now many are sharing the prophecy by um, a pastor called Bob Hope Uh, who passed away so many years ago, and he had prophesied that when the Chiefs win it, it would be a sign of upcoming end-time revival. Now, it's pretty much a big deal in the Christian community these days. Everybody has been calling out for revivals, praying for revivals. Churches are, uh, are so active on this thing. Now, what is a revival? A revival is often defined simply as what happens when God's presence comes down. It is meeting with Almighty God. When revival hits, it changes everything. It changes homes, people's lives, churches, our nations. You you hear tremendous things and tremendous healings, amazing miracles. In short, it's so amazing when the revival hits. It changes everything around it. Now, we see in Isaiah 64, it mentions what happens when revival hits. It says that the mountains will melt in verses 1 to 2. It says sinners will shake in verses 2 and 3. The righteous rejoice and all those things happen. It's amazing in short. Has this happened before? Like, has revival happened before? Plenty of times. It has happened so many times over the years, and we have seen mass repentance of people and great healings happening. So it has happened so many times. We, I don't want to list all of those revivals which have, hap- which have happened over the years, but great revivals have happened. So if the presence of God hits the earth, revival should happen. As simple as that. I think it's also important to say also what a revival is not. Many a times we think a revival is about people falling down and people crying and, and falling on the ground and you know rolling over. We think that's a revival. I'm not against any of that. Let me be very clear about it. I have been to meetings where such manifest presence of God has, uh, has happened and, and, and when God's presence hits so powerfully, I've seen such things happen, so I've, n- I've nothing against all of that. So, 
It's just that some people think that is the revival. Only when such things happen, that's the revival. That is incorrect. For such people, even if you see great healings, great miracles, and if you don't see anyone rolling on the ground or falling like backwards or anything of that sort, they think the revival has not happened. But you don't need people falling down. You don't need people rolling over and people crying out aloud. People often go after these feels and such external manifestations or these crying out, which is also important, uh, and they mistake it to be the actual revival. Now, I think to rightly define revival, let's think about Jesus' ministry for three years when he was on earth. If, if I ask you if revival ever happened in Jesus' ministry, you would say yes. All of Jesus' ministry was revival, wherever he went. And yet, we don't see people falling down as Jesus entered a house. At least we don't read about it. Or if he entered a city, we don't see the entire city falling down. Or we don't see um, you know, any of that sort, which we consider to be a revival these days. Now, there was no one who carried the presence of God as strongly as Jesus did. And yet, we don't see that happening quite a lot. So that means revival is not necessarily about people falling down. It is about the change which happens in people's lives. It is about the miracles which happen around, just like Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry was entire revival. Three and a half years, revival happened in Israel. Now, there's one thing we all agree on, that we need a revival. Just the way Jesus' revival happened, we need a revival. But why is it not happening? That is the question. That is the point of this entire podcast. Why is revival tarrying? Or why is it being delayed? Now, there are three major reasons why revival is tarrying. Firstly, it is the lack of our understanding of God and His presence. You hear many people calling out to God in churches and places saying, God, manifest your presence. Come down, fall on this place and come manifest yourself. But the Bible says in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that promise was for Israel. I mean, granted, that was for Israel. But we are Abraham's descendants according to Galatians 3 verse 29 and Galatians 4 verse 28. And hence, we know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. So I wonder, I really do wonder why many pray and ask God to be with us. I mean, just as a side note, even in our daily prayer, we keep asking God as we go out, be with us. God said he will be with us. I mean, it, I believe it's kind of an insult to God to just say that God be with us, be with us. God said he will never leave us, nor forsake us. Now, if you're still not convinced that it is applicable to New Testament folks like us, you can also refer Hebrews 13 verse 5, which says that God will never leave you, nor forsake you. If Like, it says that. Now, if God says it, that settles it. Because God doesn't lie, and there's no reason to doubt that. So God is with us all the time. Moreover, what about the Holy Spirit? 
John 14 verse 16 says that I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The key word here is forever. He is with us forever. Once God said forever, why would he take a break? Do we think that God would say, hey, um, I've been with Jack for a while and all he does is, you know, just drink his coffee. You know, I'm going to take a break for a while to, and, and, you know, just just for a few minutes, I'm going to take a break. Uh, you know, I mean, it's pretty exhausting watching Jack just, you know, drinking his coffee. And I'll go stretch myself for a while. No, God is with us forever. Moreover, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says that we are one in the spirit with the Lord. So that means we're one in the spirit with this, uh, one in the spirit with the spirit of Jesus. Now I didn't make these things up. You can check in the Bible yourself. So it's pretty much clear that we have God in us and God is with us. That's so clear. Now many of you might say that you have felt the presence of God. And I don't deny that. I'm not saying that you haven't. So that you have felt the presence of God, maybe during a song or during a prayer meeting or when you were praying alone, you know, you felt the presence of God. I remember being in one of the churches and it was a powerful church. And I used to sit uh, in the first few rows because I liked sitting over there of the church. And one day uh, I was running late and I had to sit at the back because I came late. So, well, till that week, every week, I loved that service because like you could hear and you could, you could hear the songs really well. You could hear the preaching and the way we say it today, I could feel the presence of God. It was so powerful, the presence of God. But all of a sudden, that week, but instead, I could feel the presence of mothers running after the kids, trying to feed them. And I could feel the presence of young folks sitting and Instagramming and Facebook and all the social media stuff there and you know, chit-chatting. It seemed so different. Just a few rows behind. It was like another world out there. And, you know, the first three rows I could feel the presence of God. And the last three rows um, I could not feel the presence of God. Now, does that mean God was only occupying the first three rows because he's only that big? He decided to just manifest, you know, let's uh, just manifest for the first three rows, you know, the last three rows, you know, I mean, let's not manifest over there, you know. So that's not the reason, right? Now, what is the reason? What's going on? Now, you, you also might have experienced when the song, the worship song is so, you know, slow. You know, that's when you enter the Holy of Holies. Why not when the song is fast? Why don't you feel the presence of God? I mean, some people do, I'm not saying, but the majority feel the presence of God. When the bass guitarist, you know, increases the bass, you feel the presence of God. And also when the music is loud, you feel the presence of God. And then when the, when the lights are dim, you feel the presence of God. Now, why is that so? What is it? It's not that God's presence was not there before. It's not that God was not there in church at that time. 
It's just that we started to feel, or you started to feel aware of God's presence that very moment when you start feeling God's presence. He never leaves our side. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. That's how much he cares for us. He doesn't go out for a stretch. He doesn't go out to have coffee. Instead, you hear people weeping, wailing, and crying for the presence of God. God, come, come down, manifest your presence. God, come. They keep crying, you know, they just lie on the floor and call out the presence of God to come. Now, this, we should understand, this is one of the major differences between our God, our God, and many other religions. I remember uh, in one of the churches which I used to attend, I invited my friend who was a Muslim. Now, I was, he sat with me and I was watching him closely to see, you know, if the Holy Spirit was touching his heart and if there was any change. So in between the service, you know, I could, I was just watching him, you know, just uh, <laughs> peripheral vision to see if he was closing his eyes and he did close his eyes and I was pretty glad. Now, after the worship said, the pastor used to invite people to the front and, you know, and it was not just prayer in the front, but he would ask, invite people to call on and, you know, call out to God for the presence of God to manifest. So they would just cry out to God, you know, God, let your manif presence manifest and, you know, come and touch our lives. And, you know, you, you know, all the stuff, you know, all that. So I didn't know any better. So I thought I would ask this guy how he felt about the church service. I thought the Holy Spirit would have touched him um, during the service and would have talked to him or impressed upon him. So this is what I was thinking. So right after the service, when he left the church and he was with me and I asked him, hey, did you like the service? Uh, what, do you do? what do you think? I mean, I was pretty excited. And he said, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I could relate to it. And I was really excited. Oh, really? How? And he said, because our mosques, uh, they do exactly the same. And, and this is what we do in our worship time as well. We pray and we cry out to God for him to manifest. And I was stunned and I was shocked. And I mean, I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know any better at that point. So I was, I was stunned to hear that. As believers of Christ, we often forget the fact that Christianity is about answers. So most of the religions you see, they ask questions, genuine questions about salvation and many questions. They pose those questions, but they do not find answers. But in Christ, we have answers to salvation. He came down to save us and his presence. He said he will never leave us nor forsake us. So we really don't have to cry out asking for God's presence. And when another person who who is seeking for answers, he just comes over and he sees that we do exactly the same that we do and we also don't have answers. We have a God who is so distant that he doesn't really want to show up and he just keeps uh, demanding us to, you know, keep asking for his presence and he would be like, okay, I mean, I don't see anything different here. So we don't really need to cry out and wail and weep for God to come down. He is with us. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but God is in me and God is with me. 
And even if nobody brings the presence of God with them, I bring the presence of God because he said he will never leave me nor forsake me. I bring the presence of God wherever I go. Now, many of you might say that that sounds like arrogance or pride, but no, that's confidence in the word of God. So this understanding, lack of understanding about the of God being with us is a huge problem in why, and that is one of the reasons why the revival gets delayed. Now, what is the second problem? The second problem is the lack of understanding of what God has made us capable of. We have a huge lack of understanding in that. Who are we? By we, I mean believers who have a relationship with God. Who are we? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 that we are a new creation. We are something so special. We are the first fruits of a new kind of creature according to James 1 verse 18. 2 Peter 1 verse 4 says that we are partakers of the divine nature of God. Can you imagine that? The divine nature of God. 1 John 4 verse 17 says that as he is, so are we in this world. Now, when Jesus was in this world, he did great and amazing stuff. He is calling us to do that, exactly that, and even more. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, this is what Jesus was saying in John 12, 24. You can read it, that unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seed. Jesus was the seed who died. And he brought forth many seeds of the same type. And what type is that? We read in 1 Peter 1 verse 23 that we are born of the incorruptible or imperishable seed of God. That is who we are. Now, we have a, a huge lack of understanding of who we are. Because if we do not know who we are, we will think that we are incapable of doing what we are called to do. Let me repeat. If we do not know who we are or what God has made us capable of, we will think that we are incapable of of doing what God has called us to do. Think about that. Now that leads us to my third reason why the revival is being delayed. is because the lack of understanding of what we have been called to do. Now what is our calling? Now to be very sure to be Jesus in the world. And in one, one sentence we can say that. Now Mark 16 verse 17 or 17 and 18 gives us a small glimpse of what we have been called to do. Let's read. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hang hands on the sick and they will recover. My dear brother and sister, you are the revival carrier. Now, that is my point which I'm trying to make here. So, you take the presence of God wherever you go. We saw that 
You have the presence of God. Wherever you go, God is with you. And you take the presence of God with you. When you go to your workplace, you carry the presence of God. If you, if you understand what you have and do what you're called to do, it is a revival. It is a revival. Revival has come. That is what Jesus did. He knew what he had and he knew what he was called to do and he created revival. Revival happened wherever he went. That is what happened with the apostles, with Paul, with Peter. Wherever they went, revivals happened. When you lay hands on the sick and they recover, it starts a revival. When you open the eyes of, a blind, of the blind, it creates revival there. When you raise people from the dead, it creates revival. It revives the people around. A few people do it around the place. But what if we all go and, and we do what we are called to do and we become Jesus to the entire world, just like Jesus was saying, Jesus was saying about the seeds. And, and out of love, we destroy the acts of the devil all around us and revival just breaks out. That will be the revival we are yearning for. Stop looking at yourself and, and stop looking at your righteousness. Look into what God has given you. Look, in, look at who you are as a new creation. Look at what Christ has done on the cross. And what Christ is. Who Christ is. That is what we have to look at. But instead, I've heard people say that revival is being delayed because of the sin of, our, of the believers, the born-again believers. I've heard many people's, uh, call, people calling out to the church saying that we should fast and pray and present ourselves as holy before the Lord and that's when revival ha will happen. And, and that we're, and we're not experiencing revivals because we're not having the holiness that God yearns for. I've also heard that, you know, some, some, uh, some statements from people that God has planned revival in his time. That's probably something which you hear quite often, that probably in 2021, there's going to be a great revival. Now, I'm not talking about various prophetic words about the, the revival which are going to happen in the future. But what I'm referring to is the fact that people, when they say that God is only going to have a, uh, going to uh, bring a revival to the people only in 2022. So if the people of God would get out of their places and just move and be Christ everywhere, the revival will happen sooner. But instead, we, we say, God, send us revival, send us revival. For many, asking God for revival is actually an excuse because they want to put the onus on God. It is easier when somebody else has a responsibility, right? So if we have all the responsibility and if God has given us the responsibility, it's a little bit uncomfortable to think about it. However, the ball has been lying in our court for a while now. It has been lying in our court for a while. And if you're pray, fasting and praying, that's good. But if you're fasting and praying for revival, it is like a warrior who would have just fasted and prayed instead of going out and fighting. You see what I'm saying, right? Don't be, don't be that sort of a warrior. Now, when we reach heaven, what are we going to tell God? 
Let us not be that lazy servant in the parable of Matthew 25, verse 1, 14 to 30. So, in, in that parable, he says that this, this, uh, he gave talents to various uh, of his servants. Like he talks about a master who gave talents to people. And the servant said that I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. And the master was really angry. You can read that yourself. Now the servant said that he thought that you know God reaps where he has not sown and gathers where he has not scattered any seed. And because of that, he hid the talents. Now think about how that relates to us. That God has given us everything. Ephesians 1 verse 3 makes it very clear that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has not held back any blessing. And why did he equip us so much? So that we will be a blessing all around us. Not that we will sit and wait for God to do something, for us to do something. And when we, as the body of Christ, move and start actually creating revivals by healings, miracles, salvations. What happens is that God is moving with us because it is His body. My dear brother and sister, the reason for lack of revival or why the revival keeps tarrying or why is it being delayed, all that stuff, the reason for that is not God. It was never God. Who is the reason? It's us. It's us who are the reason why revival keeps delaying. Now there's a cloud of witnesses around you waiting for you and I to take up the mantle and say, I'll be Jesus to the world. Will you do it?